the market cap or the, the total value of Bitcoins isn't that high. It's like a trillion dollars. So compared to um, gold that's nine trillion or other asset classes that are even more, um, it means when people move money in and out of Bitcoin, it affects the price um, because um, th there's not that much of it. In 1837, Horace Mann created the education system, a system at the time designed to pump out factory workers and professors the same system that is still being used today in the 21st century. Now, man's system is backfiring. We are being molded by the same industrial system that has existed for close to 200 years. That system delivers us into a digital economy that has no need of our outdated skills. This isn't our teacher's fault. This isn't the government's fault. This is due to a rapidly changing world full of technology and unforeseen circumstances. And us Gen Zs are caught in the middle. Welcome to the Driven Young Podcast, the podcast for stressed, overwhelmed young Australians, teaching you practical life skills you can implement now to set yourself up in life. And now your host, Byron Dempsey. Welcome back to the Driven Young Podcast. And guys, I am so excited to announce today is my first ever sponsored episode. After 50 episodes, I refuse all sponsor offers as I'm super careful with what brands I want to work with. But this is how I plan to do my sponsors. Rather than do a 30-second ad read, I prefer to bring on the founder or CEO and learn about their story and provide as much value as possible. So, today I'm joined by Blake, the CEO of Bamboo. Bamboo is a micro-investments platform that allows you to seamlessly purchase digital assets like gold and Bitcoin. It is easy, secure, and effective way to participate in this growing asset class. All you need is a mobile phone and a bank account to get started. So at the time of releasing this episode, Bitcoin has been on fire and is a massive hot topic for young people, and everyone in fact. And everyone wants to know more about cryptocurrency. Tesla has recently invested $1.5 billion into Bitcoin along with some other major companies, hence why I wanted to bring on Blake and deep dive into Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Today we get into how did Bitcoin originate? What is Bitcoin and cryptocurrency? How does it work? The opportunity crypto presents for us. Why is it so volatile? How can it go from 70k to 40k in two days? What is the difference between crypto and our current currency? Inflation explained. Why Bitcoin is like digital gold and so much more. If you are in Australia and want to get started investing in crypto, gold, or silver, I highly recommend checking out Get Bamboo. They make it so easy for first-time investors to set up and start to dip their toes into the water. This is just as much a savings app as it is an investments app. Think of it like a digital piggy bank. You slowly put away money over a long period of time by rounding up to the dollar. So if you spend $24.50, Bamboo will round it up to $25 and invest $0.50 cents into Bitcoin, Ethereum, gold, or silver, depending on what you choose. So if you want to start investing or create a better savings habit around your money, click the link in the description, sign up, plus you'll be helping me out supporting the show at the same time. I personally use this app and I've really loved it so far. As per usual, guys, feel free to DM Blake or myself on Instagram if you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you follow me on Instagram along with Driven Young Instagram. Anything you need is in the link in the bio of those accounts and I'll keep you updated there if you want to stay in touch. I should quickly mention this episode is not financial advice in any way, shape, or form. As the information or advice given does not take into account your particular objectives, financial situations, or needs, you should, before acting on the advice, consider the appropriateness of the advice having regard to your objectives, financial situation, and needs. Bitcoin is highly volatile, as we mentioned in this episode. We're not really giving any advice. We're just educating you around what crypto actually is because it's such a difficult thing to wrap your head around. Now, over to Blake. All right, Blake, welcome so much to the podcast. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Really excited for this episode. We're going to be talking about crypto. Just put out a, a video on TikTok asking what people want to hear about and a 
big, a lot of comments of saying crypto. How do we, you know, what is crypto? Because it's so hot right now. We got Tesla just invested 1.5 billion. We got all this stuff going on. Um, so before we get into, I guess, what is crypto and that whole world, I'd love to know a little bit about your story, who you are and kind of what you did after high school and what you're up to. Yeah, for sure. So um, my background's in urban planning. Um, I went back to uni um, and studied uh, urban planning in Perth. Uh, I ended up um, studying in Sweden as well because I wanted to incorporate sustainability and work with smart cities. Uh, I could just see here in Australia the, yeah, there wasn't a very strong um, mandate for um, sustainability mm. in our urban planning and in, in our urban design. So, yeah, went over to um, – to Sweden, started studying, and I had a lot of problems with the the banking sector. Like when I wanted to transfer money, you know, back to Australia or to friends in Portugal, I found it was expensive and really hard. And I heard about um, crypto, heard about Bitcoin for the first time, and that kind of piqued my interest. When was this, by the way? Uh, this would have been in 2015. Okay, cool. Yeah, so a little while ago, and yeah, so started buying some and playing with it, uh, and. Yeah, kind of, kind of snowballed from there. So once I got back to Australia, I was lucky enough to get a research role and move over to China doing sustainable urban planning. And again, that was in about 2016, 2017. And I noticed that there was um, a strong interest in crypto at that time, uh, particularly from, from the Chinese, uh, because uh, they have quite strict controls around what they can do with money. Uh, it's, it's very difficult to move capital outside of China. Mm. So people were turning to crypto as a way of, of moving that money freely and easily without government restriction. So I noticed that there was, there's quite a strong demand in China at that time. So I started buying crypto from Europe and America and then selling it on some of the Chinese exchanges for a little profit. Mm. And, um, I didn't know that this type of trading even had a name, but they call it arbitrage trading. But at the time I was just doing it because it was fun. I was learning about the technology. Uh, back then, I think Bitcoin was a few hundred dollars and Ethereum, you know, had was barely existed, which is two of the most prominent cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. So it was a bit of fun. But then things got a little bit hairy. Uh, the Chinese government um, put a ban on cryptocurrencies. They were looking at ways of um, regulating it better. So they put a pause on, on trading. So we kind of stopped doing what we were doing because there was a, a little bit of a risk associated with it. Uh, but yeah, ended up moving back to, to Australia after the research role. Um, it was through my university. Um, so working with a Chinese company there. And when I got back, I met some guys and they were starting a crypto investment fund. And they were one of the first groups in Australia with uh, Australian financial services license. Um, which is what you need to run a regulated investment fund here in Australia. And met them at a Bitcoin meetup, which is pretty funny. And uh, Bitcoin meetups were pretty wild back then in the bull market in 2017, 2018. And told them about the sort of trading I was doing in China. And uh, they they offered me a job. And I thought they were joking initially. And they're like, one of the guys said, you start Monday. And I, th- and I'm like, oh, this guy's not serious. So about three months later, I ran into them again. And I realized that, oh, he said to me, oh, you never showed up for work. And I thought he was joking the whole time. So I ended up going to work for these guys that started a, a, an investment fund, um, just trading or investing in cryptocurrencies, mm-hmm. uh, into the big ones like Bitcoin and Ethereum and, and the ones that we know of. But, also investing in, in smaller startups, like new companies using the technology. And then, you know, I was in it full time. I was getting paid to do it. And uh, things kind of, again, snowballed from there and just got deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. 
Yeah, awesome. And yeah. that's how you got to where you are. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And is yeah. that job you've got the current job you have? No. So at the moment, um, I'm the CEO of a company called Bamboo. Mm-hmm. And Bamboo is a micro savings and micro investment platform. So we um, allow people, we round up people's spare change. Um, so when you make a transaction, such as buying coffee or buying petrol, uh, you can denominate for us to round up um, your spare change to the nearest dollar. And we invest that into cryptocurrencies. Now it's similar to Rays or Acorns, um, but we we have a diversified portfolio of different cryptocurrencies. And what it, what it's kind of analogous to is uh, putting. We, you know, we used to have a pocket full of spare change before we use PayPass all the mm. time, and we would come home and we would put up coins in a tin or in a money box. And at the end of the month or at the end of the year, we'd have enough to you know, buy a new TV or go on holiday. Yeah. And it would always surprise us with how much we have. Yeah, exactly. Because it adds up over time. Yeah, and you don't notice it because it is your spare change. Hmm. Um, so uh, this is like the digital version of that, you know. So it's the same mechanism, but um, it's a newer version. It's the digital digital yeah. age version. And yeah. I mean, that's why I kind of wanted to have a chat because I, I love that strategy. Even if we remove investing aside, just that as a saving strategy is really powerful. Because as you mentioned, this app is a savings app yeah exactly yeah investment app yeah we actually call there's actually a name for this investment strategy and it's called dollar cost averaging Mm. so um instead of investing a thousand dollars at a time or a hundred dollars at a time um you're kind of susceptible to the market movements and as we know bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are volatile they're going up ridiculously down and not even the professionals can time when to get in at the bottom and when to sell at the top. But a statistically proven strategy is buying small amounts over a period of, uh, over an extended period of time. Mm. Um, and, and they call this dollar cost averaging. So you're getting average price in the marketplace. And this is kind of what people get with their superannuation. They're averaging into the market over 40 years. So they're getting average price and they're betting on the economy going up. Mm. And basically, I mean, I think Tony Robbins in his investment book I was reading said that S&P 500 has gone up by 10% on average over the past 100 years. Exactly. So if you just invested long term, you would have had an increase of 10%. Exactly, and, yeah. And, you know, once you add compounding interest on that, that can be yeah. massive over 40 years. Obviously, exactly. there's years where it goes down and years where it goes up, but on average, it's 10%. Yeah, no, it's really good. And um, it's almost like a foolproof way of investing into index funds and across whole markets mm. and then if you couple that with averaging in, um, I think uh, it's a pretty safe way of investing. Yeah, and it's it's great because often when I speak to younger people who have very little money, they're like, well, I can't get into investing because I don't have any money. And mm. you know, 18, 19, 20, however old, but this is a great way to do it because you don't need to put, as you mentioned, $1,000 mm. into it. You just sign up and you just it just takes money out of your account by rounding it up. Mm. And so when you buy a $4.50 coffee, mm. it rounds up to $5, bang, 50 cents gets invested. And yeah. so you kind of don't even notice it. It leverages what I, you know, Parkinson's law, which I mentioned earlier, yeah. which is, ba- and I use this strategy myself. So when I pay myself a wage <laughs> on Sunday, mm. let's say I pay myself $1,000, I then automate $400 to come out of my account and go into my savings account. And so when I open my, my phone on Monday morning, I don't have a thousand dollars in my mm. account. I've only got six hundred. Therefore, I'm going to figure out a way to live off that six hundred dollars. Mm. Yeah, no, that's a really strong strategy, and I think everyone should do that. Yeah, a hundred percent. I highly yeah. recommend that. Um, but that's why you know the mic. What, what's it called? Dollar, uh, dollar cost averaging. Yeah. yeah, it's a great, great thing to look into. Research it more if you want, guys. Um, but let's switch gears and let's go back to the fundamentals. Like, mm. what is Bitcoin? What is cryptocurrency? Because 
quite honestly, I'm not even too sure. It's it's super weird. It's this, you know, volatile. It's up and down. There's all these, you know, fancy words being used. But what yeah. actually is it? Yeah, there is a lot of jargon and we'll try and keep outside of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it might help be helpful to start um, with where Bitcoin started and why it started to provide some foundation or a bit of a framework to, to explain how it works in a bit more detail. So um, back in 2009, there was a group of people called the Cypherfunks, um, punks, and they were um, anarchists, they were economists, they were, um, but primarily cryptographers. Mm. And they saw a lot of problems in the traditional financial sector um, back in 2008 um, with the global um, financial crisis. They could see that Wall Street and the banks were, um, you know, not putting um, their customers' best interests at heart. And they wanted to develop a technology um, that allowed them to um, trade value outside of the traditional financial sector. And, um, you know, their ideology was warranted at that time because, you know, we could see massive bailouts of the bank, no one going to jail for all these horrible, horrible mm. things that they- Wolf of Wall Street sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're just screwing the consumer. All right, so these guys put their minds to um, how do we make a digital money, right? And the problem was that when you send something on the internet, what you're essentially doing is making a copy of something. So if I send you a meme of something, then I have the meme and I made a copy and I send it to mm. you. So we have two memes. Yeah. So this doesn't work really well for money. Because if I send you a dollar, um, and you know the money doesn't doesn't follow the the transaction, we have two dollars then. Yeah, so and that's, then it that's that's redundant. Multiplies and multipliers. Yeah. So what these guys did was they solved the um, the double spend problem, right, on the internet. So they used some fancy mathematics and cryptography to tie the transactions together, so you could track the transaction as it moves around the internet. Mm. And they call this a digital ledger. So each transaction was a line item in the ledger, right? So you could follow it all the way back to the first transaction um, in in theory. And this was a a massive revelation and it was um, uh, founded by a guy named Satoshi Nakamoto. I don't know if you've heard this name before, but uh, this is uh, a Japanese name, um, but no one knows who he is. Um, he was on some early chat rooms, uh, and he talked about this system that he had developed that he called Bitcoin, um, and he released um, a technical paper about you know how it works, how it functions, and they deployed it. They mm. they they built it, and. It started off at, you know, fractions of a cent, not even, mm. not, it didn't even have any real world value. It was more of like an experiment, like a theoretical thing. Um, but over time, people, um, started buying into this ideology that, hey, maybe this money, um, that works outside the traditional f- financial system is something that's valuable. And over the last 10, 11 years, it's been gaining momentum and it's evolved and we've seen new cryptocurrencies and businesses and, banks and mm. um and investment funds all start gravitating towards to the the value of this technology so it's been an interesting journey and um it, it's a fascinating space once you um learn how it works and uh, it's a bit of a rabbit hole <laughs> yeah okay cool so that's the the story of crypto yeah um now what is crypto so we just mentioned it's kind of like a digital currency it's that was a cool thing how you mentioned it doesn't duplicate itself so that we can track it back um, so why do, why, why would we want this in the world? Why do we want crypto? Why, why is it important to, I guess, the future of where we're heading? Yeah, good question. So, um, crypto was mainly 
built to be a money for the people that worked outside the traditional financial system, right? So what we're seeing at the moment is governments, they're printing trillions and trillions of dollars, um, which what that does is inflate the currency. Mm. And an example of what this does to the everyday person is if you have some money in your savings account and then the government prints trillions of dollars, the next day your savings are worth a little bit less mm. um, because it's being diluted. The and whole, over time, that adds yeah. up. Man, it, it compounds. Um, and, yeah, the people are starting to see um, this trend accelerate and people are looking for alternatives. Companies and institutions are also looking for alternatives. Um, we've seen situations um, where there's been hyperinflation. Governments, you know, in Africa mm. um, and even in Turkey um, uh, are just printing money. And people looking to hedge out of the economy. And what's interesting about cryptocurrency and Bitcoin is that there's a fixed amount. So this can never happen. Mm. We can't just print more Bitcoins. You know, there's a finite amount. So it means there's a, a scarce supply. There's not that many of them. So people are collecting them. And then that in turn creates the value um, to go up. And I think last year alone, um, 22% of all US dollars were printed. And at the end, yeah. 22%. 22%. Yeah. In one year. Yeah, in one year. That's how much debt the US government's going into. Oh, my God. And if the next stimulus package goes in, it'll be a total of, of about 40% for for the two years wow so you know this is um you know heavily diluting um the the pe- the people's savings and, and, and money so people are looking for an alternative people want to hedge out of this economy mm. so we've built a product that allows people to do this simply and easy mm. you know in 90 seconds you can sign up and hedge out of what's happening uh these macroeconomic effects Right. And you don't even have to think about it. It just happens in the background. It rounds up your spare change, but then it's, it's kind of like a bit of insurance or a bit of protection around what's happening in the wider economy. And if, you know, all these um, large companies and institutions start doing the same thing, um, it's going to be really interesting because they're going to be putting hundreds of billions or trillions of dollars into this asset class. Um, and, there's only a certain amount of them. You know, mm. you can't print anymore. And uh, this is w- why a lot of people are speculating um, because these groups are starting to move into the space. Yeah. So would you say that's a big differentiating factor <clears throat> is you, there's only a finite amount of cryptocurrency or Bitcoin yep. versus um, cash or, you know, currency where they just keep putting more and more into in the into the economy. Yeah. And when we say printing, we don't mean it's at a, a press being printed. We mean it's adding zeros into a bank account. Yeah, that's right. They're, yeah, they're um, printing money and using it for things like tax breaks um, and um, buying bonds. Uh, so, yeah, it's um, a pretty pretty wild thing that doing. It's really unprecedented. Uh, this hasn't been seen before. And uh, who knows where it's going to lead. But, you know, people are used to when these things happened um, in other economies – they would generally hedge out into gold mm. or into silver mm. because this was seen as, you know, a, a safe haven for their value. Um, well, we teach us at Empower You, the, com- the company I was just telling you about oh, yeah, off yeah. camera, um, when we do a money and finance section, we just say, you know, gold and silver is a hedge against inflation. Yeah. And we know, I know people who not only do they invest in gold and silver, they physically buy it. Yeah. They have a safe. Exactly. They'll go, yeah. they'll go out and, you know, buy a chunk of gold or a chunk of silver yeah. and little nuggets of gold and, you know, things of silver and I'll keep that in a safe because yeah. that's tangible. That's, yeah. You can't just print more of that. Yeah. And as you mentioned, I think there's only a certain amount of gold in the world as well. Yeah. That's right. So gold's worth about, I think, nine trillion dollars. Um, all of gold. Um, but, 
Bitcoin, yeah, and gold's not that useful for anything. You, yeah. You know, you put in your safe and it stays there. It's a hedge, you know, but Bitcoin has very similar qualities to gold, but a digital version. Mm. So people are using it in the same way that they use gold as a store of value and a hedge against the economy. But you can use it to, you know, purchase everyday things, to transfer value to, you know, your family overseas very quickly and easily. Um, so it's a bit of a paradigm shift um, in, in thinking from you know, physical gold to digital gold, um, but uh, it, it is a shift that's happening. Mm. And these are definitely things I think people should be looking into, even if like just start looking into it, educating yourself around crypto, around gold and silver and these sort of things, because mm. they could, you know, they're relative, they're, they're future sort of thing. And when yeah. we're looking at, you're saying 40%. Of the American economy could be yeah. have printed their money in the last two years. Yeah, that's right. Mm. That is massive. Like yeah. I don't think how much how much money is that? That's gonna be trillions and trillions. Yeah, of it's trillions and trillions of dollars. I think the total debt in the US is thirty five trillion, but they printed, you know, several trillion in the last year, you yeah. know. Yeah, so it's really interesting and um, you know, people are hedging out and, and companies are hedging out so uh, because they can't you know trust the government to protect yeah. the value and um yeah manage the economy effectively is yeah. it also like a fact that banks aren't really innovating and are very slow and annoying to use yeah like, you know you get on the phone and you got to oh, come oh, into no. the bank and we'll do this it's like are you got to make me come all the way in show you my id or something just to get one thing done yeah like, it's so painful. It feels like banks haven't innovated in the past, you know, 50 years. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, a lot of what this technology is doing now is replacing what banks do. Uh, traditionally, we would use banks to transfer money, but now people can do that themselves with cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin or Ethereum. Mm. Um, you know, people get loans through banks, but now what we're seeing is people building this type of technology on top of um, the different blockchains or building businesses to loan crypto where you don't interface with anything. It's all driven by code. Um, people are now getting a yield on their digital assets. Really? So in the same way that you would get a yield on your high interest savings account, um, you can get uh, an interest on yield. So that's one of the things that we're currently implementing on Bamboo. So you'll be able to deposit, you know, say $100 of, of Bitcoin, or, uh, money and buy a Bitcoin and you'll get up to, you know, about 4 or 5% yield per annum on that. Mm. Um, at the moment, I think... You know, the interest that you're getting at banks is you know, met oh, around, terrible. around 1%. You One know. and a half, two if you're lucky. It's yeah, terrible. That's right. So, yeah, we're giving people a real t alternative and access to what we believe is the new economy. Mm. And, you know, what's going to replace a lot of our um, legacy financial system um, are, are these blockchains and these these new ways of doing things. Mm. Uh, so as right now, <clears throat> as we're filming this, Bitcoin is ridiculously volatile, yeah. like to the minute. And... Why would we want to trust something that's so volatile? Like, yeah. I feel like if it's going to maintain this volatility, I can't see it, <clears throat> us using it as a currency because mm. one minute it could be 60,000 in two months time, it could be 40 or 30. Like, yeah. what do you think that's looking like when it comes to? Yeah. Our volatility has traditionally been a big problem. You know, we can't use it for currency. Uh, it's seen as a more of a speculation than currency or, mm. or a store of value as opposed to a currency that we can do trade and, and, mm. and business in. Um, and this is mainly due to there being the lack of methodology to um, price something like this. Now, we haven't had something like this before, you know, and we can value a business in one way, looking at its revenue um, or looking, you know, how much money it made last year. Um, but 
valuing networks is done very differently and maybe you would look at valuing at something more like Facebook, um, but this is money. Um, so uh, the the growth potential um, is, I believe, much, much higher than money. And one of the other reasons that it's volatile is that there's only, there's the market cap or the, the total value of Bitcoins isn't that high. It's a, a trillion dollars. So compared to um, gold that's nine trillion or other asset classes that are even more. Um, it means when people move money in and out of Bitcoin, it affects the price mm. um, because um, th- there's not that much of it. But if you're buying large sums of US dollars and selling large sums of US dollars, it doesn't actually affect the price because there's so many of them, mm. right? But because there's less Bitcoins uh, and the value is relatively low, um, there's that volatility. But over time, as we see the value increase, um, we will see less and less volatility. Um, the more volume that's moving through the network, the more people that are trading, the more people that are using it. So um, it's self-fulfilling that it will become more usable the more people that use it. Right. Do you think it ever hit a point where it just maintains <clears throat> one price? Yeah. Well, it will reduce its volatility to a certain extent, but similar to gold or the Australian dollar, um, it's always susceptible to volatility. Right. Because, yeah. I mean, when was – at one point, the Australian dollar was at like $1.10 yeah. to the US dollar. Exactly, yeah. And now yeah. it's – you know, we're sitting around 75 or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's still going to be volatile, but – um. You know, it's going to be a lot less over time. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think you can see a world where the world is all one currency, which is crypto Mm. or Bitcoin or something, and Mm. it's significantly less volatile? And when you're in a different country, we don't need some fancy app that's going to make us pay fees to transfer it. We just go bang. Bitcoin, Mm. I'll I'll give you this much, and we just transfer instantly? Yeah, exactly. So, um, and it's certainly the case that it may not be Bitcoin. Um, the good thing about this technology is no one owns it. It's mm. open source. So if someone wants to build another platform very similar to Bitcoin, um, but that's made specifically for payments or one that's for, you know, building apps and messaging apps on top of, mm. that's possible. And that's what we see out there. So it's quite confusing when people look up cryptocurrency and there's a, a million of them or, you know, yeah. thousands of thousands, them. And yeah. Why, what's going on here? What are all these doing? You know, and Dogecoin. Yeah, yeah. Dogecoin <laughs> as well. And, you know, everyone has their own version of Utopia or what they want to see in the world and, and people are creating them. And because this is open source, it's relatively easy to copy um, other blockchains like Bitcoin and um, make their own version of it. And I do think that one day that um, our whole financial system is going to be built on this technology um, because it creates possibilities that just are expensive and slow at the moment, but are very easy and cheap um, as we move over to to fully using this. Yeah. I think it also gives people who are, you know, in a lower socioeconomic <clears throat> place, so to speak, a better opportunity mm. because this country, as you mentioned, like Africa, where the banks aren't very safe. It's like yeah. people don't want to put their money in the banks, but they have to mm. because they, you know, they need to put it in there and there's only limited options. Mm. And so by having this technology, mm. there's a lot more freedom. Yeah. And people can maybe break out of it because they're not as trapped. Yeah. It creates sovereignty as well. You mm. know, you don't need to rely on the banker yeah. or you don't, you don't need to have the risk associated with keeping cash under your bed. Um, and it could be stolen. You know, you could, you know, in theory, keep, um, the code of your, to access your Bitcoin in your head. So you could walk across a border, um, with, you know, a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin in your head mm. and no one can take it off you. Yeah. You know, and this, this is sovereignty of money and we've never had that. At the moment, when we deposit money into the bank, it's not fully backed. 
you know, if everyone goes to Commonwealth Bank mm, um, to, withdraw, to withdraw their cash, it's not going to happen, yeah. you know. It's because they're using that on the back end to speculate, to trade markets, to use it for lending, um, whereas uh, this is a money for the people. It's um, like a gym almost, isn't it? Gym, gyms have way too many members to fit in the gym all at once. Yeah. They're betting on the fact there's only going to be a small amount of people yeah. going to a gym at once. Exactly. Banks are betting on the fact that not everyone's going to go to the bank and pull out their money at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think it, it works like that. And so uh, it's a different way of doing things and, and one that I think that we can um, trust uh, more. You know, recently there was the Royal Commission and, you know, the fines that they needed to pay as a result of the poor behavior they mm. you know raised from shareholders and, and, and elsewhere. Um just to just to pay off the fines so it didn't affect them in any capacity and you know when this behavior seems to be systemic um and it happens uh, not just here in australia but all around the world in wall street you know uh and people are looking for an alternative people don't want to have to deal with this you know when you think of it yeah when people are dealing with their hard-earned money they want it to um be safe and secure um and um and that's why i think um bitcoin has gained so much popularity over the last few years mm. I think it's um, – do, th- do you think <clears throat> if what we're saying happens in the future, larger companies are going to take a hit, but the average day consumer is going to be better off? Uh, I think everyone uh, – you know, all sorts of people are coming into this, you know. It's – you're getting um, everyday people, you're getting tech nerds, you're getting young people, you're getting old people. Um, but companies are starting to realize that, hey, you know, we're holding $100 million in, in cash in, in US dollars or Australian dollars. And they're like, well, what happens after this quantity of easing? How much, mm. how, after the government prints this money, how much is our treasury? How much are our savings worth? And we're seeing companies like Tesla be like, no, no, I don't want this. They're going to chuck in billions of dollars. And what we're going to see over the next few years is, you know, you know, potentially a large portion of the Fortune 500, the biggest country, uh, the biggest companies in the States, the biggest companies in Australia, the biggest companies in Europe, they're going to start seeing the writing on the wall. And realize that, you know, if everyone else is doing this, they have to do this. They have to move a portion of their savings and their balance sheet into these digital assets as a hedge against what's mm. happening. And I think it becomes self-fulfilling. You know, once we see one big, one big group, yeah. two big group, three big group, it'll snowball. And, you know, when you have trillions of dollars coming into something that's only worth a trillion dollars, it's going to be um, really interesting to see how that turns out. Um, and, you know, if they want a small piece of exposure to hedge against, you know, the macro, the, the larger economic things that are happening, mm. you know, apps like Bamboo, um, looking at exchanges might be a good option um, for those people. Yeah. Awesome. And do you think that coronavirus has accelerated this push on Bitcoin? Because I guess what, what what I'm hearing here is you're saying a big reason companies are wanting to get into digital currencies is because the US and Australia and companies are printing so much money. Mm. And they're printing so much money because of this pandemic. Mm. So do you think yeah. that's accelerated this kind of journey? Yeah, it certainly has. And uh, I think a big part of it as well is what are people doing with the stimulus you know Mm. a lot of people are buying crypto Mm. so not only on one side are they diluting the um the currency on the other side people with that currency are hedging out and buying crypto so they can get a piece of the upside so people like this you know have done quite well and you know if another um batch of stimulus comes through multi-trillion dollar stimulus and everyone in the u.s gets a a, you know two thousand dollar check or whatever it is um, it wouldn't surprise me if quite a few people start buying Bitcoin and Ethereum mm. um, with the with these checks. So yeah. Well, I also know people are dropping it on drugs and stuff as well. Yeah. yeah so it's yeah. like you know there are people who are doing being doing smart things with it, and then people are doing dumb things with it. Yeah. And I think exactly. actually you know the average people are just 
from what I hear, aren't spending it that wisely because because I've got this money coming in, and because obviously the government's giving it to us so we spend it and stimulate yeah. the economy. People are going, all right, I'll stimulate it, and I'll just go buy some stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah, and, uh, and then you've got people who are you know investing it, and so there's a big variety of kind of what's happening with these stimulus checks around the world. Yeah, no, for sure. And people are spending more time in front of their computer screens. They're 100%. they're educating themselves. They're you know reading more, researching more, watching more YouTube and, and TikTok, and learning about these topics and. And there is an education piece. You know, mm. people need to learn about what it is and what it does and how they can use it um, and, and um, before they start buying it. Mm. And so it takes, you know, it's going to take 10 years for a cultural shift, mm. you know, but it is happening and it will happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think a big thing here is obviously there's only so much we can do in a 45 minute <laughs> podcast, but I yep. think just by raising awareness and kind of flicking the switch in people's heads, like, all right. These guys were speaking about crypto. Mm. Some of it went over my head. Some of it I understood. But now I'm aware mm. that it's, you know, it's kind of hitting. I can mm. go do my own research. I can go look into it. I can watch some YouTube videos. I can dive a bit deeper into this world and this rabbit hole, yeah. and, which is what I've kind of been doing lately, yeah. and really just have some fun with it and see where it's heading. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, it's a really good idea. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think it's really important. Um, so we've got companies like Tesla, <coughs> yes. who, as we mentioned, have just put $1.5 billion mm-hmm. into this. And you, so you're saying that's a big sign that this is, you know, on on a massive upward trend? You know, I don't know whether it's going to go up or down, but what I can look at is the fundamentals. Mm. And um, we're seeing companies like Tesla and companies like MicroStrategy in the US um, put parts of their savings into this asset class. And my hypothesis is, and others, is that others will do this, not mm. just a couple of others, but, you know, hundreds of others over the Mm. next few years so if that happens then yes the price will probably go up um but you know at the end of the day it's still a speculation Mm. you know we have to believe in this ideology and believe you know that this is a hedge against you know quantitative easing or money printing um for us to to buy into this this investment or saving strategy Mm. yeah and so if this does you know i guess become a bit more normalized over the next 10 years. What does that mean for the governments who are printing money? Yeah, really good question, actually, because what we're starting to see is other governments create their own digital currencies. Oh, really? Yeah. So companies, sorry, countries like China um, are going to issue a digital yen, right? Mm. And and the euro has explored it. And this makes it very easy for these governments to track what people are doing with their money. Mm. And- what this technology allows for is for rules and regulations to be coded in to the money, right? So if I create mm. a transaction from me to you and on a digital ledger that's, you know, created by the Australian government, they can write in that, hey, when I send some cash to your company, you need to automatically pay taxes and that will happen. The code will distribute that to wow. the A. Wow, that, okay. That'll distribute it to the A2. And then say you have a couple of suppliers, right? And, you know, where you get your camera from um, or, you know, where you, where you pay rent. And then you can have some code that automatically distributes that to, you know, your suppliers and, and to your landlord, mm. right? So what we're going to see is automation of large parts of our economy, um, so in the future, it may be the case that the ATO isn't, you know, a group of people sitting in the building in, in Sydney. It could be a suite of, a suite of code that runs across the, the network that mm. does the auditing to find out whether you've paid your taxes or not. Wow. 
Mm. That's awesome. I would prefer that. Taxes yeah. is such an yeah, annoyance. And people don't know the rules and laws yeah. about if it was all automated, which yeah. you know, eventually it will be, um, this creates a situation for it. And what we're also starting to see is, you know, they call it smart contracting. They mm. they build these this code that they put into the transactions. Um, they call it smart contracting. And, you know, people are starting to do this with loans, you know. Um, say you loan me $100. And then every week I have to pay you back um, $10, right? Um, They can build that into the code where it forces me to make that payment. Mm. And if I don't, um, you know, penalties are automatically coded in. Wow. Yeah. So it's very different to a bank because generally um, this would have to go through a credit. I'm sure it's automated to some extent, but, Mm. you know, there are people involved in that system. But this is not reliant on any individual or any organization or any company. It can be um, baked into the system. That's amazing because, mm. look, I'm, I'm totally fine paying taxes. It's just when you run a company, it's so you don't – It's it, there's no, like, clear thing you have to do. You've got to go, okay, I've got to take 30%. You've got to do it all manually, mm. and it's super annoying. And then you hit, you, you come to your tax bill at the end of the year, and you've miscalculated it, and you, yeah. you owe an extra $5,000 or something, whereas if it was just all automated as you pay, make payments – and make life so much easier. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. And, you know, what we're seeing is uh, lots of the large auditing firms, the big accountancy firms looking at this technology and mm. how they can automate um, parts of what they do. And they're already building systems and, and software to allow their customers and client base to be mm. able to use these systems. Well, this is kind of what I was talking about earlier on, how I use my bank. I just set up an automation in my bank <clears> account. So as soon as I get paid, a portion of that goes into my savings. Yeah. And then with my company, as soon as I get um, paid, I I can't automate it because I get paid different t- thing different amounts yeah. every time. But let's say I was earning a thousand dollars every week with the company, I could just automate stuff going into my tax account. Yeah. But with this, it's just bang. You don't have to set up any automations. It's just it's yeah. Like, so this has its pros and its cons. Mm. You know, when governments can have the all-seeing eye and seeing every transaction that you yeah. do, and they can track what you're doing with your know, piece of code. Um, you know, a lot of people um, they're you know get a little bit, um, you know, worried about this, you know, Um, particularly the Chinese government. (laughs) Mm. Um, But it also, um, you know, makes for easy and quick transactions. Um, But I think this is never going to replace crypto and and Bitcoin. Um, It'll run in parallel. Um, but it will be built on the same technology. Um, And And that's the currency version, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like a crypto yen or a crypto euro yeah, or a crypto AUD, us dollar yeah. Or AUD, yeah yeah so people you know eventually what they're going to try and force us to do is go cashless mm. so that they can um gather all the taxes through this technology yeah. mm. wow okay mm. yeah no that's that's super cool yeah um yeah this has been really cool i've learned a lot yeah I think cool. it's, it's been a lot of fun so one final question before we get into a little bit more about bamboo yeah and i ask every guest this question it's okay. basically what would your number one piece of advice be for the younger generation doesn't have to be finance related just you know any piece of advice that you would give the younger generation yeah for sure uh so it's probably in two parts the first one is um you know when i finished uni i didn't know what i want to do i was looking for jobs um in the industry that i trained in and couldn't find anything that fit with who I was or my mm. personality or, or what I wanted to do. Um, it turns out they wanted to do something more entrepreneurial and I didn't know it at the time. Uh, but you know, I took a risk. I started working, um, in digital assets and crypto with cryptocurrencies and trading them and, and, um, immersing myself in this space. And 
you know, uh, you know, there was a lot of volatile, there was good times, there was bad times, but you know, I was able to do what I wanted to do. I didn't need to work for anybody, you know, I could um, learn at my own pace mm. and I felt like I could be myself. So, um, you know, even though it was risky, um, it, it turned out to be um, the better option. Yeah. Which is a key word there, risk. Yeah. Risk comes up in almost every single conversation I have on this podcast. Like yeah. now is the best time to take risk while you're young. Yeah. So if you're young going, you know, what do I want to do? Because had you not made that decision, even if you failed, at least you would have learned some stuff in the process. And now you know that that wasn't supposed to work. So, mm. you know, the, the worst thing you could do is when you're on your deathbed is be full of regret of stuff you didn't do. Yeah, I, no, think, I think you're right. And so taking risks while you're young, when you've got no kids, you've got no responsibilities, essentially. Mm. And so if you fail, you're not going to eat it like someone who's got a car, family, parents, yeah. kids to look after. No, you're exactly right. It's such yeah. a great time to take risks. Yeah, I think that leads into the second part. You know, what I learned as well is not putting all your eggs in one basket. You know, I saw a lot of people, they put too much money into crypto or too much mm. money into something else or too much time. Um, but, you know, when you're spreading yourself um, a little bit more broadly um, and, you know, um, putting your time into different things, uh, that creates um, you know, less risk. And, you know, you, what you don't want to end up doing is, um, you know, one of those things, um, you know, crashing like Bitcoin did. And a mm. lot of people ended up um, worse off than when they started. But, you know, if people are incrementally entering the markets and um, exiting the markets, then it does mitigate a lot of those those pieces of risk. And stuff like Bitcoin is such a bright, shiny object, right? So some people will see that go, oh, my God, it's... Look how, look how much it's worth now. It's just going to get higher and higher. I'll put a a ton of money into it now, make a big risk. You know, it could pay off. It might not. Yeah. Who knows? But it is very, very risky. Yeah. Yeah. And as you said at the beginning of this episode, even the professionals have no idea if it's going to go up or down. Exactly. So how could you and everyday Joe possibly know? Yeah, exactly. Anyways, dude, um, thank you so much for coming on the show. If people want to find out more about Bamboo, check out the app, you know, start kind of dipping their toes in the water. Where's the best place to go? Yeah, check out our website. Um, Our website is getbamboo.io. And yeah, you'll be able to search us online. Um, but yeah, hit us up on socials as well. And yep. yeah, thanks so much for having us. It's been great. Pleasure. And yeah. it's just an app on your Apple or Android, right? Yeah, check it out. Get Bamboo on Android or the App Store. So yeah. yeah thanks so much for coming on the show. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> That's it for this episode of the Driven Young podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the entire episode. That means the world to me. And if you got some value out of it, please shoot me a message on Instagram or reach out to me. Or I would love for you to leave a rating or review on this podcast. So make sure you are subscribed and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.